If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's Thursday night, which you know it means it is time for the MMA DFS Strategy Show right here on AwesomeMode.com, sponsored by Superdraft. That is a fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Of course, I am Jason Floyd. Pete, uh, how you doing, brother? What is going on, man? Uh, currently have a headache trying to break down this fight card. Uh, let me tell you, it's not one of my favorites. You kind of said that last week to me yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. I think this one might take, you know, take the cake. I, I, I don't know, man. This one's a little tough. If you look at the spreadsheet, there is a ton of red. So, uh, you know, hopefully you can help me out on this. Well, we're going to try to help everybody out here to make a little money here uh, on Saturday nights, whether it's on Superdraft or any other DFS platform. Of course, uh, if this is your first time watching or listening to the strategy show, what we do is we break down all the fights, start with the main event, work all our way down the fights. Of course, we'll answer your questions as you go on, start lining up those questions right now in the YouTube chat. But, uh, you know, Pete, before we get into these fights, got to give a, a little brief uh, breakdown of what happened last week. UFC Vegas number five, we're, we're on the air on Saturday as we're, we're learning Joe Mershart's out. And then as the main card starts, we learn that Trevin Giles is now out of the fight card. So... Uh, I know some people had shared some screenshots with me after the fact where they had fighters all right at a hundred or near a hundred. And then you see that big fat Kevin Holland zero and yep. I had Kevin Holland MVP spot on FanDuel, one of my lineups. Yeah. I had quite a bit of Kevin Holland and uh, that, that definitely hurt. You can't see these things coming. And uh, unfortunately there was nothing DraftKings could do for us other than provide some promotional contests and everything. But uh if you avoided that fight, I said I was slightly underweight, but of course I had plenty. Uh, you know, you, you ended up having a nice lineup and, uh, you know, the screenshots were great, but it was definitely the craziest week in history for me for, as far as DFS. Yeah, man, it was, uh, you know, DraftKings did is doing a free roll for everyone who was involved in the MMA contest last week. So uh, they, they emailed, emailed out a link. So the contest is live because I, I reserved my spot in They're giving away uh, some entries into the millionaire contest next week for UFC 252. So uh, once again, another big fight car coming up, but of course uh, here to break all this one down, of course, uh, main event, Derek Lewis versus Alexi Olenek. Uh, first off, let, let me get, get your thoughts on this is I don't think you have to roster this fight. Oof, man, I don't know. I feel like you might have to because they're both, you know, decently priced. Derek Lewis does have a ton of finishes, comes in with a an 83% finish rate, Alexio Atlantic 92%. But if there was ever a pace rate that we could go by, I definitely could see it backing up with what you're saying of potentially avoiding this because uh, Derek Lewis sometimes doesn't throw the most and is a little tentative and careful and ends up not having the best DFS scores, whereas Alexi Olenek goes for broke kind of off the whistle and, uh, you know, throws heavy looping shots. You saw it against Fabrizio Verdum, and then tries to resort to his ground credentials to get the wins, and he has more chokes than anybody, and I, I think that there's an argument to say, if you know, who's the best submission threat in the heavyweight division, you know, Alexi Olenek, Fabrizio Verdum. It's very, very close, and... Uh, you know, at 7,500, if he goes and is able to take Derek Lewis down, you're talking about crazy value. I'll have my shares of Alexi Olenek, but I'm not feeling comfortable about it. I think that Derek Lewis can hurt him, and we've seen Alexi Olenek get hurt very easily um, against Walt Harris and dropped and finished by numerous people. So as long as Derek Lewis can get back to his feet, I think that he has some value at 8,700, even though you, you probably won't be uh, as heavily on him as I will. Uh, look, I think the value is on Alexio Olenek. I mean, I, I think you can't feel comfortable on, on either side of this fight. Obviously, we, we've seen Derek Lewis get taken down in fights. Now, he's been able to power his way back up, you know, once he has been taken down. And he is walking around lighter than he has been over the past couple of years. But uh, so, looking on the DraftKings app, 
pull up Derek Lewis. We've got 10 fights listed for Derek Lewis. What do you think is the most significant strikes he's landed? Probably in the last 10 fights. Probably 45, 50. 51. Yeah. And that was in a loss. Yeah. That was it against against Mark Hunt. This is I'm just going to give you the scores of his last five wins. 40, 53 and a half, 79 and a half, 40 and 91. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, I just think that Alexi Olenek, if he gets hit by Derek Lewis, I think he's going to sleep pretty easily. Now, you brought up a good thing about, you know, Alexi Olenek's takedown ability and if Derek Lewis can get back to his feet. Alir Latifi took Lewis down three times. Uh, Blagoy Imanov took him down three times. DC took him down four times. So think of that what you will. I mean, it is DC, but there's definitely some, you know, takedown deficiencies in Derek Lewis's game, but he tends to get back to his feet. The problem is if I'm looking at all of these guys that he's fought recently, I don't remember him facing anybody that has such a submission threat that, you know, literally will give up any position just to get him on the mat. And you're talking about Ezekiel chokes from all sorts of positions, pulling guard to basically wrap in Ezekiel chokes and uh, some unorthodox uh, techniques. So as a guy that somewhat tends to struggle with his gas, you would wonder how will he handle if Alexi Olenek is is cranking on that neck of his? Will he give up easily or will will he be able to power out of it? I'm not too sure, Jason. I feel like if Alexi gets his hands on Derek Lewis, I think he's going to attack pretty quick. I really do. You know, when you think of Derek Lewis, you think of this power. But the fact is, we don't see him get that finish in the first round. I think if there's a finish in the first round, you probably like Alexi Olenek in that spot just because when Alexi does submit guys, more times not in the first round. I mean, look, you called the upset against Verdum, you know, when Olenek had that fight. But the one thing about that fight was in the third round, that gas tank was just gone. And, you know, and we have seen Derek Lewis, while it will look like his gas tank is gone, all of a sudden he just lands an, a, a right hand, a la the, the uh, Alexander Volkov fight. I think the fight that he probably came the most popular with when he said his balls were hot. <laughs> That's my boy. I love Derek Lewis, man. But I'm telling you right now, the best, if you want to follow one fighter on Instagram, and you can only follow one. It's got to be Derek Lewis. 100%. It's like following, uh, you know, a world star, basically. He gets the videos before they do. Um, you know, for me, as speaking about all of Alexia Lennox's possibilities and strengths, I still have to side with Derek Lewis. And uh, I think that he touches Alexi and finishes him. I, I just think that this is the battle of bad gas tanks and who will prevail. I'm not too sure. Will he have the best score? Probably not. I would say the safest bet on the card is that this fight does not go the distance. Um, so you could definitely, I wonder what that line's at, but I would definitely play something on that because fight doesn't go the distance for a five round bout for guys that struggle with gas tank issues. I, I think that's pretty safe. Uh, wait, I'll pull up the old prop bets here. So uh, let's see here. Fight goes to the decision is plus 450. Yeah, as it should be. Minus, minus 675, it doesn't. Now, yeah. look, looking at the three platforms, mm-hmm. the platform I would say I would like Derek Lewis on is DraftKings at 8700. FanDuel at $21, Super Draft at 1.1 times. Not exactly in love with that. Do not do not like him on, on Super Draft. See, I'm, I'm actually opposite than you. Um, think about FanDuel scoring, right? Alexi's going to try to take him down a ton of times. So if Lewis is able to defend takedowns, you're talking about a boosted score over on Fandle for Derek Lewis. Um, Whereas Alexi Olenek, DraftKings tends to favor grapplers. So potentially Olenek's style fits the mold for DraftKings punt plays at 7,500. I'll have my shares and I'll definitely spread out my exposure. But uh, this is a fight I will be targeting um, probably a little bit more than you. Okay, so we don't have a Kevin Holland line on FanDuel yet. We know he's the most expensive guy on on DraftKings. Yeah. So Derek Lewis is the most expensive guy on FanDuel at $21. I would much rather go $2 less and get Hopperos. I would say no still. And you know why? Because Lewis has has the potential to get a KO victory. And strikers are favored over on FanDuel and grapplers are favored on DraftKings. And I don't care what he scored and what you said. It literally one round. If Lewis is going to be tentative, right, 
Olenek's not going to be tentative. Olenek's going to go in there and get in, get in and get out. So what that's going to do is going to force Derek Lewis's hands to engage and fight probably at a higher pace than he's used to, but that could lead to finding the chin of Olenek. So I like Lewis. I know 21, it's not the safest thing and not the best feeling to roster him at the highest salary on FanDuel at the moment. I would expect Holland to be higher than that, but uh, I, I don't see a problem with it, Jason. Look, I, I think that my concern with Derek Lewis is history. Yeah. And you look at the fact that he has he has not been the greatest DFS player. So at 8700 on DraftKings, look, I'm not saying he he can't win the fight. I think there's he, he, a reason he's a favorite. There's a reason he's he's a favorite that he is. I, I just I see concerns, but also I go, okay, is Derek Lewis in the optimal lineup if he wins? And vice versa, is Alexio Linick in the optimal lineup if he wins? Oh, of course. Oh, Linick's going to be in the optimal if he wins. He's 7,500, and you know he's a grappler. And even if he doesn't grapple as much as we're thinking, he goes out there like he did against Fabrice, uh, Fabrice Doom and just threw bombs and somehow outpaces Derek Lewis. He's going to outperform his salary at 7,500. So I'll have shares of Alexio Linick, but – you know, right. I think this card's. I think it screams spread your exposure and and not. You know, there's not too many locks on this card. All right, the number's eighty five. You going over under Derek Lewis eighty five points? I'm saying over. I so mean, you're thinking first round win? I think so. I, I think it happens. I mean, the guy historically has had issues with his health. You know, I don't know if they're excuses, but sometimes he complains about his back. Um, you know, he, he has a hurt rib or whatever. Like, it always seems like it's something. So he's hard to trust. I get it. But I think Derek Lewis is a bad matchup for Alexi Olenek. He's going to crack Olenek and knock him out. That's my opinion on the fight. But, um, you know, anything can happen, Jason. You got to go back to April of 2016. The last <laughs> time Derek Lewis won a fight in the first round. You are hating on Derek Lewis. Whoa, whoa. Is, is it hate or speaking facts? But the disrespect, okay. But matchups, okay. Let's 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 take a look at this. Alexi Olenek, besides, so he's fought Mark Hunt, okay. Mark, I think Derek Lewis has a better takedown. I think he's more athletic than Mark Hunt. I, I think that I think that uh, Derek Lewis gets it done here. Look, I'm speaking facts over here. Just because it doesn't go along with your narrative, don't get all pissed off at me. So who? So who is your pick? Derek Lewis. Oh my god, this guy. This guy. But look, I, I look. I think from a DFS perspective, yeah, it, it just it's a history. Yeah, I get you. I got yeah, I got it. So you're gonna like, be like, on your okay. weight on the eighty-seven hundred, Derek Lewis. Exactly. It, what do you say every week on the show when we talk about five-round fight? The last thing you want is it to be a third round stoppage or a fourth round stoppage. Yeah, yeah, I could see that happening too. Um, if if Derek Lewis wins in the third or fourth round, I don't think he pays off the price. I just don't see how it lasts that long. Somebody's going to win within the first two. Yeah. Um, go over to the chat here because you you know I love the chat. Yeah. Uh, Chris saying still thinks it comes under eighty five points, third round TKO. Uh, uh, says small cage, I think helps both guys. Early Olenek going to get down takedowns easy, but if Lewis can stay upright, there's nowhere to run when Lewis starts to turn up. Exactly. Um, it's an interesting fight, and uh, we'll see. We will see. Uh, I think maybe Derek Lewis comes in at the best shape of his life. Seems like he's lost some weight, starting to take fighting seriously. Remember the guy used to talk about how he only trained like an hour a day or something crazy like that. That's absurd for a high level mixed martial artist. Um, I also don't know what to believe when he says things either. So there's that. Yeah. Um, did you, did you see that apparently uh, Alexi's food got delivered to his room by mistake? To Lewis's? Yeah. No. He decided that he was going to put a little extra flavor on it. Oh boy. <laughs> he's he spit on it. Come on, don't don't get... No way. Yeah, it was it was on his Instagram. I did not see that. That is so disrespectful. Wow. I'm gu I'm guessing that food did not go to Alexi, but uh but yeah. That uh that happened there. But yeah. 
Of course, uh, we are sponsored by Super Draft. This is a UFC Vegas number six strategy show right here on awesomemote.com. And, of course, the future of Daily Fantasy Sports has arrived. Experience Super Draft's exclusive game mode multiplier. Say goodbye to salary restrictions. Hello, lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge. Draft any player you want. And build your very own dream team. Countless lineup possibilities let you experience Daily Fantasy Sports the way you want. Super Draft offers contests for NBA, MLB, PJ, NASCAR, and MMA. So you can enjoy the best of DFS all year round. Sign up for Super Draft today. Use the promo code AWESOMO10. And it's $10 free in your first deposit of $10 or more. And $20 total free on your first deposit of $100 or more. Download the App Store or play at SuperDraft.io. SuperDraft, no limits, more winning. Of course, uh, you always talk about me and me and Pete always talk about the great tools we have over at AwesomeMode.com that Alex puts together. And these are our tools that he uses to be the number one DFS player in the world and get access to all those great Awesome Plus tools and content for the upcoming UFC fight card with the Awesome Plus MMA weekly pass for $8.95. This includes full access to Awesome's leading fire projections, ownership projections, and the top fighters tool. There's never been a better time for MMA DFS. So step into the octagon today uh joe appreciate the uh tip there and donation <laughs> have you seen what, he, what his question was yes <laughs> who are your guys lock of the fight card i always have to ask this during the shows joe uh, appreciate the uh the donation there uh we all know how much pete loves that l word um you guys like talk- okay all right if, so if we're talking just fight related just fight related. Yeah, not not DFS. I can give you I can give you people I feel comfortable in. Uh Nazareth Haparash will be my lock. Ooh, that's crazy. Now it makes sense because he was so highly touted and he's so skilled, but I think as far as lock to get a W, I don't know about DFS. I would say Yusuf Salah. I, I like him here. Um I like the matchup for him. I think he's a little too elusive for Peter Barrett. We 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 know a little bit about Peter Barrett, and uh, I'll be rooting for him. But I think this is is a tough matchup for him. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, obviously, everyone's going to look at Kevin Holland. I you know probably going to be very chalky as yeah. we do this show. Uh, no Fanduel pricing yes on, yet on him. And when I was putting together my sheet uh, earlier this afternoon, Superdraft had not had uh, the multipliers on him or Joaquin Buckley. Uh, Buckley's the guy I'm familiar with, but we'll get into that as we go on throughout the show. Uh, co-main event, I, I feel like, is, uh, well, A, it's Pete's favorite fight of the night. Is that that 8,000 matchup, Chris Weidman, Omari uh, Akhmedov. And, like, Chris Weidman obviously is the name in this matchup, but you know, the fact is he's 1-5 in five in his last six, back at 185 pounds. I mean, we you know we've seen those, for the most part, 85ers go 205, not a ton of success. Of course, we've seen success from Tiago Santos and and Anthony Smith here. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you have confidence in Chris Weidman at this know. point. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, he's what one in five in his last six, and the five losses are you know KO or TKO losses. So the guy has taken so much damage. And we were we were talking about it before the show. Since the Luke Rockhold fight, I really don't think that he's been the same fighter. How many shots? have really affected and derailed his career. Um, you know, it, it's just, I can't see so much success in the 185 pound division for him because it's just like murderer's row. And he has fought murderer's row. Like there's tons of talented guys that he's fought and tough competition from UL Romero to Luke Rockhold to Anderson Silva. He's fought the who's who in that division, but how much does he have left in the tank? Like, he he's been hurt so much that this should be a winnable fight for him against Akhmedov. In my opinion, I think that he should have the grappling advantage. He should be able to take him down, um, start to get back to his roots of why he got into the UFC of strong grappling, great BJJ. Okay. Hands to set everything up, but stop thinking you're a striker just because you stood with Anderson Silva. Let's really get back to the wrestling roots and against Akhmanov, it's not going to come easy, but I think that's the route to victory because Akhmanov is good at winning fights. He really is. Only has a 60% finish rate, but he's tough. And in that 185-pound weight class, he's kind of the low end of the ranked guys. Mm-hmm. So Chris Weidman, how you know? Oh, how the mighty have fallen to now. We're we're talking about a coin flip fight against a lower ranked 185er. 
I think Weidman gets back to his old ways in grappling. If he doesn't, he'll probably get knocked out again. That's just the truth. But um, I'm hoping Sarah Longo, those guys are talking to him and, and saying, look, it, we got to be safe. Let's take the safe approach. Maybe the patient approach, too. Maybe it's not the most DFS friendly. But the takedown upside for Chris Weidman and his you know, ability to finish fights, 71% clip. So I like Weidman here at 8,000. And I know that 8,200, 8,000 is usually a nightmare for me. But I feel decently confident in Weidman despite I, – I don't know if confidence the word, Jason. I don't know what word to describe the feeling I have for Weidman. Maybe it's, it's the, the name value that I'm holding to you know, so much to a high standard. Yeah, I, I... – I'm not. I I feel like you probably have to roster this fight. And uh, Chris in the chat was asked that question where he said, "Is this fight almost a must roster fight if you believe the narratives people are laying out? Wyman out paces, out wrestles to a decision, or Armani Akmadi KO him?" I I feel like you're you're good. This is a fight you got to look at. Um, yeah. You know, I I think the only question is is you know. If you if you're on the the Weidman side of this fight, yeah, is your thought? Are you okay with if he gets a 15 minute decision, and are you going to be comfortable with that score? Yeah. So okay. So like for me, this isn't one of my favorite fights to target. I find like there's plenty of other spots that I can take advantage of. But if I have to pick somebody to win the fight, I think Weidman can do enough to get it done on the scorecards. Just how does he score? Um, even at eight thousand, you know accomplished grappler i just don't know if he scores more than 80 85 so i'll roster him in a few just because because of the potential but there are plenty of other fights that i'll look at so i think here's uh, some very telling on the prop bet lines mm-hmm. chris weidman to win by uh, tko ko plus 524 wow weidman win by submission plus 480 weidman by decision plus 190 yeah, Akhmedov by TKO KO plus two twenty, Akhmedov by submission plus twenty four hundred, and Akhmedov by decision plus five oh five. Akhmedov is not submitting Weidman. That's not happening. Um, I could see him TKOing him for sure. Um, but I think Weidman decision is not a bad bet. I, I guess I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to clip that part of you saying Akhmedov can't win by submission. <laughs> yeah, watch it happen. <laughs> Plus twenty four. Watch it happen. I'm like, hey Pete, you remember when you said this on Thursday? Uh, it's not gonna happen. I don't think that. No, that no, no, no. I'm I'm with you there. Um, you know, it'd be interesting just kind of looking at our ownership projections as we currently stand here on Thursday night. We got Chris Weidman at thirty one percent and Akhmedov at seventeen percent. Yeah. So you could actually pivot from this fight, whereas a lot of people will use this as their mid range slash low range value. Um, you know, the ownership's going to be there. You don't have a lot of faith in Weidman's recent, you know, track history of one and five being KO'd five times. So how, how does that affect him mentally? And even in that Kelvin Gastelum fight, you mentioned he was taking some shots before he ended up getting the victory. So um, maybe pivot away from the ownership here, guys. Well, it's one of the comments in the section was uh, from Chris talking about maybe this is going to be Chris going back to his wrestling roots. You know, he Better. he's got to get the W because I I said on on my podcast yesterday, if Chris Wyman doesn't win, where does he go from here? I think he retires. Honestly, I really do, because he's already tried the two hundred five that failed. Um, you know, one eighty five. If he loses to the lower ranked slash almost unranked fighter, I think uh, I think you'll see him start to really work on maybe becoming a coach or something. But I, I think there's plenty of miles left. I just don't know about his chin. Like the talent is there. It's just his chin. Will it hold up or not? I mean, Akhmedov was taken down three times against Ian Heinish. Um, and then outside of that, five by Matt Nilsson um, back in 2015. So – this guy has been able to avoid getting taken down by a lot of fighters, but I think that uh, Weidman can do it. Uh, we're on FanDuel, Akhmedov $17, 16 for Weidman, and they're both 1.3 uh, times on, on Super Traps, so that is something yep. to pay attention to there. Of course, uh, this is the UFC Vegas number 6 DFS strategy show. Be sure to hit that thumbs up button here on YouTube. That does help us out tremendously. Uh, then we got uh, Maki Patolo versus Darren Stewart. Uh, here, here's the question. 
Yep. Will Darren Stewart wrestle? I mean, I, I don't know. And Darren Stewart has been able to take down plenty of people. He took down Deron Wynn one time, um, Edmund Shabazian once, uh, Julian Marquez actually four times, but he doesn't have the best takedown defense taken down six times by Deron Wynn, eight times by Shabazian. Bro. But Maki Maki Patolo is not trying to take him down. He 100% could if things get if he gets clipped 100% could. He had three well, takedowns against Charles Bird. There's three a reason they, Charles Bird. Charles Bird started wearing down gas tank wise to that. But look, oh. Maki Patolo, there's a reason his nickname is Coconut Bombs. Yeah, of course. He likes to throw the hands and that's the truth. But if a, if a round is close, Jason, just because you're a striker doesn't mean you can't resort to takedowns to look, put a stamp on a round. Look, I think on all three platforms, yep. Maki Patolo is a very solid DFS play. It's tough. It is tough. Maki Patolo is durable. But the one performance that sticks out to me is that Callan Potter. Like, bro, uh, yeah. Callan Potter. With the striking from a guy out of the crowd, throwing bomb like <laughs> haymakers from left, like wide shots, and I'm sitting there, and I, I, I had Patolo everywhere, and I'm like, what is going? On? What is happening right now? Now, uh, Darren Stewart's very crisp on the look, feet and has some there, good potential, so maybe this is a nice spot where Darren Stewart can actually show his potential. Look, there, you know, the Potter loss is an awful loss. Now he's yeah. at eighty. Now he's at eighty-five. He is definitely a smaller eighty-five. Or to me, like. If I am in the Darren Stewart camp, I got to think the thought process is, look, this guy wants to stand trade with you. Let's not get into a brawl. Let's let's try to engage, get this, you know, use your strikes to work the takedown, get the fight to the ground, use your your strength to wear down on Maki Patolo. But I think in terms of if you're looking for an under 8,000 play on DK, Maki Patolo, I think, is a guy you have to look at just because you know this guy is trying to is is looking to throw them bungalows. <laughs> yeah, he uh, Maki Patolo is a great seven K option because it uh, you know he has so much potential and he throws five strikes per minute and he looks to go out there and put people away. Has a seventy seven percent finish rate, so he's the type of guy you want in that seven K range where he's going to hunt for a finish. Um, I just think Darren Stewart's really talented and Darren Stewart's actually coming off of a loss outside the UFC and in the UFC, I don't know. He was okay. But at a time you, you would think that he was going to get cut. I think he, I think he had like three or four losses in a row and, uh, yeah, he had three losses in a row, um, you know, against, uh, Francie Marbarosa, Carl Robeson, Julian Marquez. So why are the why is the UFC giving him so many shots? Clearly, they see something. He has a victory over Bavon Lewis and a split decision over Duran Wynn. So the guy can win good fights. I mean, Maki Patolo, the Charles Bird fight, like that was that was tough to call as well because Charles Bird could have easily exposed Maki Patolo by taking him down. So if Darren Stewart goes back to his goes to grappling i shouldn't say his roots because it's not but if he goes to grappling i think things could get interesting here but i'll, I'll sprinkle patolo in at 7600 uh then we got a female matchup uh kunaskaya versus tor oh. rank store orenko yep. um 8800 7400 on, on DraftKings. um you know you, you got to pay off for kunaskaya and I think the question is, if you want to pay up, a you could have some really good ownership. Yeah. You know, as we sit here on Thursday night, we have her at thirty percent, but you know that could be lower by the time you know uh, fight day gets here. Um, you know, it, it, you're paying up. The question is, is can she pay off that price, or is this a potential for you know a dog? Yeah, it could be, and I think Stoliarenko is somebody you can look to because, you know, we, we talk about Calderwood going in there against Jennifer Maya, you know, she should have been the, the A side of the fight standing up, but I was worried about her engaging in grappling and basically introducing the submissions for Maya. And that's what happened. Now the same thing could happen here against Stoyalarenka and, and Kuniskaya. Kuniskaya is going to look to keep it on the feet, but she has tried to take fighters down in the past. Uh, Cyborg Santos has won, but, um, that was mainly because who wants to stand with Cyborg? Not many people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if Kuniskaya 
does engage in the grappling. Stoliarenko has some of the best arm bars I've seen for the female divisions. And at 7,400, she's a live dog. But Kuniskaya trains with Tiago Santos, which is her husband or boyfriend, whatever he is, fiance. And looks like she could have been getting better during this off time. So I don't want to put too much or invest too much in the, the underdog Stoliarenko at 7,400. But uh, Kuniskaya 8,800 could be a, a fighter that's forgotten for most that could have a high scoring decision. Now, when we think of fighters who are someone that you got to target them or target their opponent, Benil Dariush fits right in that class yeah. because either he's going to go out there and get you a really great performance or his opponent's going to score big time. Now, he, he's been on a nice little roll here in this four-fight winning streak where the lowest amount of points he scored was against Tiago Moses, which was 87 against Dober, 110, Camacho, 109, and Dracar Close, 94, even though that was kind of a little dicey for him there in, in a yeah. moment there with Dracar Close. Uh, of course, that was after he, you know, he had a stretch where uh, he went uh, winless in, in three fights. And, of course, Scott Holtzman, who's you know, one of the lowest, uh, lowest owned or, excuse me, lowest salary fighters on, on DK at 7,100, 14 on FanDuel, 1.4 1. 4 times on, on Superdraft. Um, you know, I, I think it's, if you're trying to get two of the fighters within 8,700 and above, where does Daryush fit in that equation? I'm not sure because Holtzman is a very tough opponent, but Benil Dariush for me is one of my favorite fighters in the 155 pound division. I just like his whole game. I like the camp that he comes from. I love his jujitsu. He has great takedowns as well. I think that he can really start knocking off some of these, uh, some of these highly ranked fighters. And uh, I think it starts here with Holtzman. He's kind of been on a roll, but I, I like Benil, but I don't know about DFS because Holtzman's very tough, and you know his average fight time is 14.08, only has a 50% finish rate. Uh, Dariush, 8 minutes, 49 seconds, and only has a 67% finish rate. Now, if Dariush takes anybody's back, he can submit them. That's, a, that's you know for certain. But this, this stylistic matchup of Holtzman trying to keep it on the feet and you know punish Dariush standing up and not trying to engage in a jiu-jitsu fight, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think Dariush gets it done. But for DFS, I'll sprinkle in Dariush, and, uh, you know, that's about it. I won't go heavy on Dariush, though. Yeah, I mean, Holtzman, I mean, he's, you know, he's scored well in the fights yeah. that he's been able to get finished. I mean, you look at 82 points in his last fight decision. But Benil Dariush, you just know this is a guy that's going to be going for the stoppage. So, uh, you know, definitely going to be some guy that, that I'm going to have some shares on. But I, I think I'm going to have some shares on Holtzman. As well. Then go ahead. Yeah, I just want to add a few things. So with Holtzman, right? He has been taken down by a ton of fighters. Drew Dober took him down five times. Josh Emmett took him down eight times. And actually Nick Lentz took him down five times. And that was somewhat recent back in February of last year. So I feel like if those guys are taking you down, I really, really, really like Benil Dariush to get the takedown and uh you know potentially work towards this, uh a finish. One of the fights that I know me and you have talked about a little bit this week, and that's uh, Means against Star Poli. Uh, 8,300, 7,900 fight on, on DraftKings. Um, $17 for Star Poli on, on FanDuel, 16 for Means. And then over on Super Draft, uh, you know, both of them got good multipliers here 1.35 times for 10 Means, and Star Poli at 1.25 times. What's your take on this one, man? So I love Star Poli's hands. He has some excellent striking, he's pretty wild and aggressive. Um, Tim means, you know, he's getting up there in age and experience, but you know, he's, his UFC records 11, nine and one. Um, I like watching Tim means fight. I think he's a very long, tricky striker, some great, great Muay Thai. I just wonder if his chin is starting to catch up with him. of, you know, suffering that crazy knockout loss to Nico price. I didn't see that coming. Um, if star Poli cracks means, I really feel like you could see him getting a nice, KO win uh, 8,300. That's a nice spot here. But in saying that, Tim Means is a well rounded martial artist and can take people down if he needs to win rounds and has a finish rate of 83%. So this is a fight I will be targeting both sides. Like this is one of my fights that I, I think you need and it's going to be optimal. I can see it going either way. I'll have a slight lean to Tim Means based on the value, but uh, I really like this fight. Yeah, we always talk about that roster construction, be able to put your lineups together. How, let me throw this one out for you. Yeah. 
Tim Means, I mean, you can you can definitely have some some question marks on his chin at this point, where you know the guy's been in some wars. How about Tim Means? You know, Star Poli gets a little wild, takes him down, wins by submission, which by the way is plus seven twenty five for Tim Means submission. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because. I think that Tim Means can take people down when he's starting to get cracked, and I think he might start resorting to that because, uh, you know, he's long and he's tricky and he's actually good defensively for a little bit. But uh, I guess the young guy, Star Poli, you have to think that, man, age, you should be siding with age here. Not the, I mean, he has an average time of 15 minutes in the cage for Star Poli, but I think the experience means gets it done. I'm targeting this fight. I, I need it in my lineups. Right now, we got Tim Means at 20% ownership. It's, that's, uh, I, I think that's warranted though, because he's a 7K option that has shown, you know, the ability to, to succeed. If he goes the grappling route, I think he's going to avoid the big shots of star pulling and get it done pretty easily. Kevin Holland, of course, was supposed to fight last week. We all know what happened there. Now he takes on uh, Joaquin Buckley, former. Yep. Bellator fighter, uh, coming off a win two weeks ago in LFA, a, a knockout win, avenging a loss that he had in Bellator. Obviously, you got to pay up for Kevin Holland. Uh, Buckley comes in. I mean, I, I, I look at the situation for Joaquin Buckley. It, it's kind of like it's it's a win win situation for him because a he, the guy stepped up on you know a, less than a week's notice, six seven days notice to take this fight. Like so, you know he's getting another fight in the UFC, and then it, it's a, it's a tremendous opportunity. You're the huge you're the huge underdog. No one expect no one's expecting you to win outside of your your friends, family, and teammates. So like I feel like he's in a good position. And for Kevin Holland, I guess you know he's not the biggest of middleweights. I mean we've seen him weigh in like 182, 183 pounds. But I do wonder the fact of he had to make weight last week. Now you're doing another weight cut one week after. Could there be any? Could it hurt him at all? And that's why you, as a fighter, you can you can say what you can say, Jason. Now you're full of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. So you know, I, I really don't think he cuts too too much weight. Um, you know, if he was notorious for cutting a tremendous amount of weight, I would definitely be worried there. But. Uh, I think this is Kevin Holland all day at 9,400. It's just, does he get the finish? And I think that he can. Buckley has been knocked out and Kevin Holland likes to push a, tr- a crazy, crazy pace. Um, Buckley probably would be looking to take it to the mat. And uh, that's, that's what I would be suggesting here. And we have seen Kevin Holland get put into some tricky positions. And you think about the Brennan Allen fight, but the guy can scramble like no other 9,400. It's not a Chemayev type of lock. But he's in a very good spot here at 9,400. I'll have plenty of shares. So you're saying there needs to be a one-way ticket to take down City here? Well, I, I think Buckley shouldn't stand up too much. Um, and I think he's going to be at a significant reach disadvantage of eight inches. So, uh, you know, work your way inside. It's a smaller cage. So grab a hole of Holland and try to take him to the mat. But I think that he's going to be met with some crazy force of Kevin Holland. And, uh, you know, 9,400 is not crazy. I mentioned about uh, you know someone asked earlier about the you know the the lock of a week for each one and I, and I mentioned uh, Haparas who by the way if you're following Osimo on Instagram and Facebook you'll know that he is our featured fighter of the week as part of our Osimo Plus player projections of course you can check out those projections on the Osimo Instagram page which is at Osimo underscore com also on the Osimo Facebook page those are updated daily so you definitely got to check out the free projections that we have up for him of course he's a big favorite in this one um i really like him in this spot uh against alex munoz um you know munoz he's got wrestling base uh i i think this is one that haparas may be the fighter i have the most shares in all week Oof. see i'm going to be a little cautious because of hawk Frost's takedown defense and uh marching held was able to take hawk cross down three times and marching held has some great submission skills um a guy like munoz here has incredible wrestling and is the wrestling one of the wrestling coaches over at team alpha male but more specifically now csa working with uh, gaston balanos and all those guys over there so the guy is super skilled now had a shot in the contender series against Nick Newell. Um, shout out to my buddy, Nick Newell. And he actually looked good 
in the fight and ended up scoring four takedowns in the bout, but wasn't able to work for a finish. And uh, his striking seemed okay. Now, when you're rostering Hawk Parast, you're thinking that he's going to go out there and knock out Munoz, and it very well could happen because I like Mock, uh, Hawk Parast in the fight. I think that his striking's great. Uh, I'm a little cautious because of Munoz's takedown ability. Like, he can really mix things up, just, you know, make you think that you're going to start striking with him and start to resort to his takedowns. Hawk Parast should win this fight, and he was one of the guys that was like, highly touted in that division and thought he was going to have a breakthrough performance and then boom gets knocked out by drew dober in a crazy crazy fight so how does he rebound off of that we shall see but uh be cautious here 7200 for munoz i think he's a live dog based on the, the takedown route to be, be careful if munoz wins it's by decision yeah 100 but it's through tons of grappling and transitions and takedowns and at 7,200, it'll probably pay off. But I, my, my pick still is Hot Frost, but I'll, I'll sprinkle in some Munoz just in case. Any any predictions or a projection you have of what Munoz by TKO KO prop bet is? Probably 600. Too low, bro. Really? Plus 1040. Yeah, so, I mean, that makes sense because Hot Frost should be able to go out there and get the finish. And he, he's the more you know, seasoned vet okay. as far as UFC experience. But Munoz is fighting a guy who just suffered a very bad knockout. So that's possible via ground and pound. Munoz by submission plus 1550. Yeah, they're not, they're not giving him any any credit. <laughs> and I think it's closer than that. I still think Hawk Ross does it, but I think it's closer than that. Hawk Ross by, uh, by TKO KO plus 155. Yeah, makes sense. No, that definitely makes sense. But, I mean, look, I think you're, you're spot on. Mooney's going to win. It's it's via that heavy grappling. Uh, Andrew Sanchez against Wellington Thurman. Uh, Sanchez, to me, might be might, – may end up being the most popular underdog on the slate. So, initially, I like Wellington Thurman a lot because um, he's aggressive and throws some heavy power. And then, actually uh, – you know, get some good takedowns and starts to look for chokes and everything. Then I was looking more at Andrew Sanchez and Andrew Sanchez hasn't been taken down in the UFC. He really hasn't not once. So he's fought Khalil Roundtree, Trevor Smith, Anthony Smith, Ryan James, Marcus Perez, Mark Andre Barrio, and Marvin Vittori. None of those guys were able to secure a takedown against them. So Wellington Terman's path to victory is usually via grappling, and that's what Wellington Terman did to Marcus Perez and looked really, really good doing so. But I just don't know if he can take down Andrew Sanchez. You know, I just don't know if he can do it. Um, Andrew Sanchez also, uh, you know, he won the ultimate fight. He, he's very talented. Like, he's good and has good hands and, you know, good defensive wrestling, actually good offensive wrestling as well. So um, maybe it's just a little bit, too much too soon for Terman, but I think Sanchez at 7,700 is somebody I'm circling. Yeah, I think he's going to be a very popular play across the board. Of course, this is a UFC Vegas number six DFS strategy show, and we are sponsored by Super Draft. The future of daily fantasy sports has arrived. Experience Super Draft's exclusive game mode multiplier. Say goodbye to salary restrictions and a lower lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build your very own dream team. Calendar's line of possibilities let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want. Superdraft offers contests for NBA, MLB, PGA, NASCAR, and MMA, so you can enjoy the best of DFS all year round. Sign up for Superdraft today using the promo code AWESOMO10, and it's $10 free on your first deposit of $10 or more, and $20 total free on your first deposit of $100 or more. Download in the App Store or play at Superdraft.io. Superdraft, no limits, more winning. Of course, Pete. Football is right around the corner. Yes, get excited. And we at Osmo are excited to bring our inaugural season-long fantasy football and best ball draft kit using the same tools that have helped make Alex Osmo Baker the number one daily fantasy sports player. We have compiled a package that will revolutionize the way you prepare for fantasy sports drafts. For only $29.95, yeah, that's right, $29.95, 
Our draft kit includes everything you need to prep, including rankings, projections, sleeper tools, loads of content from our experts, and the draft wingman, which will update your team projections in real time based on who you've already drafted. God, we all need that. At some point, we're yeah. playing fantasy football. And as an added bonus, new FFPC members get a $35 credit when they sign up for an awesome draft kit, which is basically makes it free. Don't miss this one. Dominate your fantasy and best ball leagues today. Yeah, man, we're we're uh, just about a month away. By the way, this weekend was supposed to be the Hall of Fame game. That's crazy. I'm still not confident it's going to happen. Um, I know it's a little pessimistic, but I, I don't know. I think it's it's going to be tough. Well, we'll have to see. We will definitely see what happens there. Uh, three more fights to break down here. Gavin Tucker, Justin James. Uh, Justin James, of course – dynamic UFC debut, knocking out Frank Camacho. Did he got hit as well in that fight? You know, he oh, had yeah. a, he had a nice little, little cut there in the top. And, uh, one, I talked to Jane's uh, about two weeks ago. One of the most interesting things he said to me, he goes, I'm obsessed with Gavin Tucker right now. He goes, it's all I think of. It's all I think of is Gavin Tucker. Now he said, he goes, look, he goes, Gavin's fast. He's quick. He goes, I know what I'm expecting. Um, while Justin does have that wrestling background, when you talk to him, he's got it in his back pocket. I guess that's about the best way to put it. It's not exactly, it's not how he, he, he wants to go out there and he wants to be an entertainer and he yeah. wants to use his hands, but he more utilizes wrestling more as a defensive aspect more than anything else. Yeah. So this fight's very interesting. And I think this is another fight I will look to target, uh, plenty of shares of both sides, but if we're breaking this down, Justin James definitely is the power side of the fight. Um, throws big looping shots and has some great technique as well, but has that crazy finishing ability. What he did to Frank Camacho, I did not expect. Comes in with an 81% finish rate. Going up against Gavin Tucker, who has an 82% finish rate. Gavin's going to be looking to be the matador right here, whereas James is going to be the bull. And you have to think of Tucker using that great footwork that he basically did against Sam Cecilia. Uh, pop shot and I'm moving, moving around and basically frustrating Justin James. Now, if James can get a hold of Tucker and get back to the takedown well, I think that you could see, uh, you know, Justin James basically replicating what happened to, uh, to Gavin Tucker in the Rick Glenn fight where Rick Glenn took him down four times and landed 142 strikes. Oh man, one of the most brutal fights you'll see and actually should have been stopped several times, in my opinion. So Gavin Tucker, is, he's tough. He, he really is, and was able to take a ton of damage and keep going on. I guess he kind of was moving. But, um, you know, if Gavin Tucker can go back to how he looked against Sam Cecilia, I think that, you know, he could get a decision win. I don't see him being able to finish Janes on the feet. I think it'd have to come the submission submission route. But James is a guy at 7,800 for me. He, he just can hit you one time and really change change the, the course of the fight. So I think James is going to touch him at some time here. So I'm slightly leaning James. I'll have plenty of shares of him. Uh, you know, and say it's a close round, Jason. Let's solidify that round. Let's take him down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Rick Glenn was able to do that against Gavin Tucker, even though Gavin Tucker does have some pretty awesome, you know, submission ability. But uh, maybe Gavin's going to look to, to shoot on James here. Maybe that's that's the, the thing we're not talking about. I like James's value on Superdraft and FanDuel, though. 1.4 1. times on Superdraft, $13 on FanDuel. I think there's some great value there. Yeah, I love James. I, I like him here in the spot. I mean, for a 7K fighter, coming, he just basically fought Frank Camacho, weight class up, and Frank Camacho is you know was basically a 70-pounder. So... I think this is a nice spot if he can touch Gavin Tucker, if he can touch him. That's that's the thing is, can he actually hit him? Because he he throws heat, but can he hit him? Yeah. Um, two more fights left, Yusuf Zalal versus Peter Barrett. We both know Peter Barrett really well. Uh, I know Yusuf Zalal very well. Let me just frame it like this. Peter Barrett, how does he pull off the upset? Man, I think you'll have to pressure Zalal against the cage work out of the Muay Thai plum and, uh, you know, clinch fighting because if he's trying to go strike for strike against the laws, the law is going to be way too quick and has incredible footwork. Now, the thing that makes this fight interesting is that Peter bear is a Southpaw. 
So whenever you're fighting a southpaw, sometimes that throws fighters off. And, um, you know, the, the general tactics that you normally would use, you have to adjust and it has to be more right-handed heavy, right hands, right kicks. And you also have to make sure that your lead foot is always on the outside of your opponent's lead foot so that you're lining up that rear shot. Because if not, you're sit, you're a sitting duck for that straight left hand or that left kick. So for me at 9,300, I think Zalal is a great play. I think that he moves too well for Barrett. Barrett's very tough, and I will be rooting for Barrett. But I think you could see a, an accumulation of a ton of strikes here. Um, if you look at Zalal's history for DraftKings, averaging 73 DraftKings points, hasn't really you know dominated as far as DFS. But uh, just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean that it can't happen. So I'll, I'll have some shares as a law. I probably won't touch Barrett at 6,900. And, of course, you have to note the fact that this was supposed to be Pierre Barrett versus Steve Garcia. Steve Garcia pulled out of this fight. Yeah. That would have been a better fight. That would have been a better fight for Peter Barrett. Um, you know, two weeks ago, I want to say-ish, uh, Yusuf has been in Vegas since last weekend. Uh, he was there. He cornered um, Jonathan Martinez and Chris Gutierrez, a part of that Factory X team. So he's been there for a while. And and I talked to Yusuf last, I don't know, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday of last week. And, uh, you know, I thought one of the more interesting things that he said to me is that, you know, he, he's always – his thought was he was going to go down 35. You know, go down 35. But he's now – him and the team there at Factory X and, and his nutrition team, he's going to stay at 45. I like it for him. I think that for 45, he's probably going to be faster and moves better than most of the guys there at that, that weight division. He's not going to have to kill himself to make it either. Uh, comes in with a 78% finish rate. Peter Barrett comes in at 82% finish rate. But don't be surprised if Yusef Salal goes to the ground game here and tries to take Peter Barrett down, um, averages three takedowns a fight, and try to work towards a submission because Peter Barrett has been submitted in the past. Opening fight of the night, we got uh, Erwin Rivera, second time here in the UFC. We saw him that and taking that short nose fight against uh, Jacquesi back at uh, the card there in Jacksonville. He's a big favorite in this one, uh, taking on Ali. Oof. It's crazy that he's 8,900 right now when he was a last-minute replacement against Giga Chikadze. I don't feel comfortable with his salary. Now, that's not saying that he can't go out there and get a W because – the guy took a ton of shots on the Giga Chikaze fight and actually kept moving forward and looked pretty good in some spots. Uh, throws dynamic strikes, Superman punches, high kicks, jumping knees. So, you know, the talent is there, and he trains with a good camp now down at Sanford MMA with Coach Henry Hooft and all the guys down there. But uh, Al Casey here at 7,300, some, somebody that I'm kind of looking towards because if I look at Rivera's record and I look into fight tape, if he doesn't keep it on the feet, he ends up getting out grappled for the most part, like getting taken down a lot. And that's where Al Casey shines. And Al Casey looks to to clinch up and work a uh, body lock takedown, step behind trip. Um, so 7,300, this first fight of the night is not one of my favorites, but I'll have some Al Casey because of what I've seen. It, he's been training with 10th Planet as well out in Vegas. Um, you know, just the finish rate for both of these gentlemen, 67% for Rivera and 63% for Al Casey. It's not really there, but the value of, of a grappler in the low 7K range is always appealing. So uh, I, don't, I don't know. Are you underweight on this fight? Or are you kind of right where I'm at? Oh, totally underweight. Yeah. It's first fight of the night. Come on. <laughs> yeah. You know the answer. You're not you know making, the answer. You're not making an exception this week. So, I mean, Rivera is not a bad play. Rivera throws. Okay. I'll put it this way. Yeah. You have to roster one. Who do you roster? Erwin Rivera or Jan Kuniskayev? I'm going Kuniskayev. Yeah. Uh, would you agree? There, I, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I, I just I don't think I'll have many shares of either one of them. Um, one of the questions we got here uh, from Robert in the chat, he says, the fighters who are making their UFC debut – which is the best on DraftKings? So, um, Stoli, you know, Buckley, you Munoz, Buckley, Barrett, and, and Ali. Yeah. So uh, for me, all under all underdogs. Yeah. So slim pickings here, but if I were to look at guys making their UFC debut, who has a good chance? Women's MMA. 
arm bars are always possible. So Stoliarenko, I think, is a live dog against Kuniskaya. I would say no on Buckley for me. I think Munoz has a shot, honestly. So he's another guy based on takedown potential. Barrett, Barrett and Buckley are two of the O&Os that I, I'm kind of crossing off. Al Casey, decent, decent. Of course, I know everyone always wants to hear our picks. I'll let you go first. Oh, gosh. So these are the pre-weigh-in picks because there are a lot of fights that I really want to see how they look on the scale. Um, but uh, I'm going to go Derek Lewis, Weidman, Stewart, even though I, I was talking about Patolo's value. I still think Stewart can do it. Kuniskaya, Dariush, Means, Holland, Hockprost, Sanchez, Janes, Zalal, Al Casey. Man, I do not feel good with all those. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Go through these picks. I think we're 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 a hundred percent both ways. Get out of here, really? So I, I literally, I I literally put check marks, like names before you started going. I all put right. check marks on who my picks were. Okay. So I'll, all right, I go Derek Lewis. You had Lewis, right? Yeah. Weidman. Uh-huh. Stewart. Yeah. Kuniskaev. Uh-huh. Daryush. Yep. Means. Yep. Holland. Yep. Naparas. Yep. <laughs> Sanchez. Yeah. Janes. Zalal. Rivera. No, I went Al Casey. I went Al Casey on the last one. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about my, I would say is you always know you got to have about two underdogs in, in, yeah. in an optimal lineup. Yeah. It's just about finding the, the correct fights. And just because you're picking a fight, right. Doesn't mean that I won't have exposure to the guys yeah. I'm picking against. So like saying, the, let's say the Weidman Akhmedov, even though I'm saying Weidman, I think is going to win. I'm still going to have exposure to Akhmedov um, just because of Weidman's history. Like, look, I, I like on the super draft side of things. These are fires who I think have value on super draft. Olenek at one point four five times. Patola one point four five times. Yeah. Um, Means one point three five times. Sanchez at one point four. Even though I'm worried about he gasses out, doesn't you know? Gets the worst way decision. And Justin James at one point four times. That's on on super draft. Over on Fanduel. Uh, Patolo at fourteen dollars. Um, Hot Sauce Holtzman, I think you got to look at him at fourteen dollars. Um, and uh, Jane's at thirteen. Yeah, I think Jane's at thirteen is nice. Patolo at fourteen is nice. Um, you know, I highly recommend to anybody listening and watching our show right now go over to Awesomeo, click on you know sign up, work on towards getting the the fantasy cruncher because if you guys can get the fantasy cruncher as a part of our, our projections and everything, you can go in there and manually basically manipulate the, the exposure. So like, say I want to sprinkle exposure here and there, and I'll play with the percentages, 20% for this fighter, 40% for other fighters. And you'll be surprised at the lineups that are be able to, to, that you can generate by doing so. So I highly recommend it. That's what I like to do. And, and I, I'm sure that you like that tool as well. Uh, I, every sport, every sport I yeah. use fantasy cruncher. And, you know, especially like in MMA, one of the ways I use Fantasy Cruncher is I say, I want these two or three fighters in my lineup. I will do a lock on those fighters and see what it spits out. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing that I like to do is just basically cross fighters off. So, like, I will uncheck fighters that I have virtually no interest in. And then, like, when I'm saying that I'm targeting fights, guys – I will actually increase my exposure for for those fights just so that I can get hopefully the optimal lineup. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think what Fancy Cruncher is also a great tool of is like, can you squeeze in mm-hmm. a Haparas, a Dariush, and a Lewis? How do you put a roster together with those three fighters? Yeah, you plug them in and you see what it spits out and see what you can do. Um, and then you're like, man, I really. As much as I like those guys, the the fighters that they're giving me is for the low 7K options are pretty ugly. So I guess I'm not going to go that strategy. So it's definitely helpful. I highly recommend it. Please go over to Osmo and check it out. Yeah, Osmo.com forward slash join. 
to check out all the options that we have over there. Of course, we'll be back on Saturday for Live Before Lock. We'll be on at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. And, of course, uh, always follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jason underscore Floyd. He is at Pete the Heat MMA. Coming up, we've got a busy day over awesomeo.com coming on Friday. You'll see uh, I'll be a part of two shows. Actually, got one show coming up after here, the, the Early Bird Podcast. I'll be previewing uh, Friday's D, uh, MLB slate. Also, got uh, I'll be a part of the MLB Strategy Show and also the MLB Live Before Lock. And then I'm telling you, people got to be following Pete on, on Twitter. He throws some little NBA nuggets out there. Yeah, that's right, man. You know, I'm not just the MMA guy, and people are starting to figure out you're not just the MMA guy either. So, uh, but definitely, definitely check out the content, and thanks for joining us. And we'll be back on Saturday, guys. So, uh, have those questions ready. Yeah, we we love the live for lock show. Take your questions, of course. Uh, be sure to give this th- video a thumbs up as well. Also, if you if you ever cannot watch us live, it is available via podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the places you get your podcast. So that is the UFC Vegas number six DFS strategy show, and we will be back on Saturday for live before lock. <laughs>